The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. John was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they went and saw where Jesus was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the two who heard John and followed Jesus. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. Then he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The Gospel of the Lord. When someone is ordained to the priesthood, and many of you have seen this at least once, The person presents himself and he is called by name. And his response is a very simple one, present. In the old days in Latin it was ad sum, I am present. But today simply one word, present. And if there are five or ten or twenty or thirty or fifty priests, each one is called by name. And each one must answer individually to that call. The person isn't simply making a statement about their place, that they are physically in place. The word present means that I am here because I believe I have been called by God uh, to priesthood. And I accept all of the responsibilities that come with that everything that comes with possessing or being, having the priesthood of Jesus Christ. The bishop then will lay hands on that person, ordaining them and confirming the call. The same thing in marriage. You respond by name. I name, take you name. It's not generic. It's a specific individual. You make a promise to that person, a vow, that will change your life. Even in the single life, sometimes people make a formal commitment to the single life, by name, as an individual, not just as a group. I may be part of a large group, but I have a name, and that means something by way of the call. Now, to some extent, we know what that means, don't we? But by no means do we know specifically what that means for the rest of our lives. Every day brings a surprise. At least not every day, every couple of days. In any relationship, whether it be priesthood, married life, or single life. For instance, in the priesthood, in the single life in a different way, because they're not the same. 
there's a commitment to celibacy. In marriage, there's a commitment to chaste sexuality, open to life. None of us know what that means, though, down the road, do we? We know what it means generically, but not specifically. Still, we're called to it, and we have to respond to it. We have to obey, because that's what love does. Love obeys. Love responds. Today's first reading, I think, is quite beautiful. Samuel. Samuel is called three times. The first two times, Eli doesn't think he doesn't understand. Third time, he says, ah, God is calling this young man. So he gives him the answer to make. He gives him the first answer or the first words of all prayer. All of our prayer life must begin with those words. He says, when you hear it again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I have said this many times. I will say it over and over and over again, um, how we have inverted that phrase, which is why our prayer lives are often quite dull. Um, but our prayer life begins with, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, and we have turned that upside down to, listen, Lord, your servant is speaking. <laughs> that is not what God is calling us to do. And Samuel responds that way, and then God can take him and do something with him. Then Samuel becomes the preeminent figure in in that section of the Old Testament, the prophet, the judge, who anoints Saul and then anoints David. They listen to him. And so that call, again, by name, because names mean something. Today's gospel, we have the same thing. We have John the Baptist with two of his disciples. Our Lord is passing by, and St. John points him out as the Lamb of God. Do they know what that means? Not completely no, because they don't understand why he's come. He's really saying, behold the Lamb of God, the God-man who will be slaughtered for the redemption of the world. In any event, two disciples follow. We only know one of them by name, and that's Andrew. Our Lord sees them, and he turns around and asks them a question, which is the question he asks us, by the way, too. What are you looking for? Not what should I be to you, but what are you looking for? And what you're looking for will depend upon what you get and what you find in me. And their response is rather interesting. They don't tell him what they're looking for. They simply say, where are you staying? They want to be with him. Again, that idea, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. They want to be with him. An essential element, of course, in all prayer. When people come to me to talk about their spiritual lives, one of the first books I recommend, although not to everybody, but usually I do, is a book called The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. It's another old book. It was a Cistercian. And all prayer begins with being in the presence of God. It's simple enough, isn't it, or should be, but many people aren't find that very difficult to do for any number of reasons. Uh, being in the presence. Well, our Lord calls them to that. They say, where are you staying? We want to be with you. And our Lord's response is the same to us as it is to them. Remember the first command of the gospel, and John the Baptist is repent. That's the first command of the gospel. Repent, repentance, confession, conversion. But the first command to the disciples as he calls them is, come and see. Come and see. Spend some time with me. And we are told that they went with him and stayed all day. It was about four in the afternoon. 
The response to their being in his presence is a radical change, as it would be with us if we spent enough time with him. Uh, And so Andrew then goes to his brother Simon. Remember, all they know is that they want to follow this man. Although they're not even quite certain of that yet. Next week, in the next week's gospel, they will. Um, But they know they're being called to something. And so Andrew gets his brother Simon. Remember Andrew? Andrew is always bringing someone to Jesus, beginning with his brother. Uh, Again, they don't know what they're really getting into. As you didn't when you were married, and I didn't when I was ordained. And the person who's a single life doesn't know, and they commit themselves to that. But they know they're going to, they want to be with this man. And he brings him to our Lord, and our Lord looks at him and does something, which he does in a different place in St. Matthew's Gospel. He changes his name. In religious life, as you know, sometimes that's true. There'll be a change of name to signify a change of life. For us, that became true in baptism, and we were given a name which called us to a new life as we were baptized. Sometimes, as I said, in religious life, there's a new name because you're going into a new life. But our Lord changes his name. And he changes his name in a way that would have seemed probably incredible, particularly to his brother Andrew or anybody who knew him. He changes his name to Cephas, Peter, Rock. Even though at this point Peter is anything but Rock. Our Lord calls him, as he has called us, to do things he was not expecting to become something he didn't want to become. He calls us to do the same thing in one way or another. And each one of us is called throughout our lives. Right now, although an infant doesn't know that he or she is being called, he or she is. The infant won't recognize that there is such a thing as a call yet, but we're called from the very first moment of our conception, actually. Whether we respond or not is another matter. But the first thing we have to do is spend time with him, because that's his command. He won't say go until the end of the gospel. That's the last command he gives them, is go. Until then, you simply have to spend time with me. For instance, when you were married, when I was ordained, when you accept the single life, it didn't happen in a split second. We were prepared for it, either formally or informally. We may have spent X number of years in a seminary or X number of years courting somebody for a period of time. And even then, once they're engaged, there's a time of preparation uh, to prepare yourself for what you're going to be getting into. Only then are you capable of actually committing yourself to that life, even though you don't know everything that's coming, as the apostles didn't. I'm sure Peter never realized that he would be crucified. Paul never realized that he would be beheaded, and so far along with the other ones. Uh, They didn't know that. As we saw during the Advent Christmas season, all those figures who didn't know what they were coming into, but they accepted it. They were open to it. Again, you see here, once we saw in them, they were waiting with John the Baptist. They were receptive when the Lord came, and they were available when he called. So there we are. Uh, Again, as I mentioned, just as an example, Father Ty is going to take this young man, 17 years of age and older, to... Philadelphia and Washington to discern a vocation to the priesthood. Uh, the religious orders of sisters who do that too. Um, and that's fine. And we need to take that seriously. I think today we think we're just going to walk into a vocation casually, as I am inclined. Inclination, by the way, is a very good sign of what we're called to be. If you are inclined to married life, that's a good sign. But then again, uh, if, if you're inclined to married life, he may be calling you to celibacy. Uh, so it isn't just that simple. Everyone, 
again, uh, with a normal sexual attraction, is called to something and can feel called to, to that. Sometimes the sacrifice will be different. But we all know that whatever life we are called to, however beautiful and wonderful it is, it will be essentially sacrificial because that's the Lord's life. And if it isn't, there's a really great problem, or will be somewhere along the line. So, I, of course, this comes back, as you would actually expect, to the Eucharist. Um, I've often thought that it would be a good idea, particularly to put over adoration chapels. I never thought of it when I was at Lourdes. I wish I'd thought of it. Um, simply to put the words, come and see. Maybe I should have put those words behind there instead of the words I put. Um, I like to put them in Latin, though, because people wonder what they are and they pay attention to them. Uh, we, we, we tend not to pay attention to English words. We're too used to them. Uh, come and see. That's where we go, to come. And then we can go, but only then. And the same thing with coming here to Mass. If we, are, if we are away from the Eucharist, if we stay away from the Mass, we will never have the strength to do what God is calling us by name to do. Simply, it won't be possible to do it. So, um, we have been called. The call is a simple one. Sometime, when you are alone, just listen in your mind to the voice of God calling you by name and by your baptismal name. Simple enough to do. Must have some time when we're alone. To listen to the voice of God in our mind. As a rule, God doesn't speak the way he spoke to Samuel. In our mind, calling us by our baptismal name. And having listened to that voice, we then can say, along with Samuel, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you as the people redeemed by the blood of your Son and trusting in your love and mercy. As we prepare to celebrate Martin Luther King Day, we pray that there will be true harmony, uh, true reconciliation between all nations and peoples. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, For the church throughout the world, her members will listen to the call of God as they are called to perfection, particularly the church persecuted. We pray to the Lord. For all nations of the world, especially our own, that they will be attentive to the call of God through his church. They will respond with conversion. We pray to the Lord. For all those who are sick and suffering and dying, lonely, the frustrated, the confused, for all those who bear the cross of Christ in any way, that they may know that they are answering the call of God in their suffering. For those who are greatly tempted, for those who have rejected the cross, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For greater respect for human life, and especially this week, for life in the womb, for its protection, and for its reverence, we pray to the Lord. For an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, especially from our own parish and diocese, and those young men and women who will answer the unique call to those lives and to a unique following. For greater reverence for the call of marriage in the single life, we pray to the Lord. Lord for our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, that having responded to the call, they may fulfill that call 
and the desire for perfection, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all who have died in the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster. The eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. For our deacon, Steve, who has been hospitalized, but who will be, I think, released tomorrow, and for his family, we pray to the Lord. And for all of us here, We will be open to the voice of God, listening to it, receptive to it, and available to it, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We now join our prayers to those of the Mother of the Lord as we sing. (laughs) 